This is MPN. Welcome to Movie Matchup. I'm Casey. And I'm Grace. A podcast where we talk in-depth about two movies with a common theme, some trivia, Grace doesn't know yet, but she'll be doing a food bracket. Oh, no. And some menu items you can enjoy while having your movie marathon. Grace, what is this week's theme? This week's theme is Bon Appetit. Yay! Yay. <laughs> uh, we should probably also mention that we're in the same place. We for, are! For the first time. The first one. <laughs> oh, here. Cheers. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yay! Yeah, we uh, started this podcast not during the pandemic, but immediately before yes. it began. So then we just decided to do it anyway, long distance, which we've been doing yeah. this entire time. <laughs> um, but now we are both vaccinated and we are in the same room together and it's awesome. Yay! <laughs> I know, we don't have to, I don't have to see you on your, my little phone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we're having cocktails. Yes. Which goes with... I guess our theme for this uh, this episode does it? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's. I mean, I guess like food related. It's like a drink. So. It's 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 a drink. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We don't normally drink. That's all I mean. That's true. Yeah, yes. true. Uh, and they are delicious cocktails. Thank you, Casey. Oh yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So we should get into it. I guess for our first movie. I guess I should go first since mm-hmm. it's a, the older movie. Yeah. Our first movie is Babette's Feast. Uh, from 1987, directed by Gabriel Axel, uh, and it is currently streaming on HBO Max. Uh, During the late 19th century, a strict religious community in a Danish village takes in in a French refugee from the Franco-Prussian War. I don't know if I pronounced that correctly. Uh, As a servant to the late pastor's daughters. And our second movie is Ratatouille from 2007, and it is on Disney+. And the plot is... Remy dreams of becoming a great chef despite being a rat in a definitely rodent-phobic profession. He moves to Paris to follow his dream, and with the help of a hapless garbage boy, Linguini, he puts his culinary skills to the test in the kitchen, but he has to stay in hiding at the same time, with hilarious consequences. (laughs) Remy eventually gets the chance to prove his culinary abilities to a great food critic, but is the food good? I love that that's the the question that I know, I, ends with when like, no, we know it's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, two very different movies on the surface, I'd say. Yes. But with some very similar themes, mm-hmm. which is why we chose them. Um, and this was actually, I had seen Babette's Feast before, but you were watching it for the first time, right? Yes, yeah, this is the first time I watched it. Did you enjoy it? I did enjoy it. Yeah, I it like wasn't exactly what I thought it was gonna be because mm-hmm. it's it, it's not like a typical like when you think of like a food movie you might think oh like what's gonna be at a restaurant or something like that and really it's about this like small group of people and you know their eyes being open to I guess like the the world and like, trying new things and stuff like yeah. that and really just through through food yeah um yeah it's funny how the sort of small village of, you know, the, the sisters in Babette's Feast, it's, you can kind of draw a line between them and, like, Remy's family of rats uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> in Ratatouille, where there's this approach to 
uh, food in particular in these movies as utility rather than uh, something to some sort of art form or, or to be enjoyed something to be enjoyed yeah. yes um, and so they uh, and they all come around to uh, you know see the beauty that can exist uh, in this what they had, you know, just taken as sort of something that they needed to live and survive. Yes. Their whole lives. Yeah, so they're both, uh, specifically French food. Mm-hmm. And um, they're both Academy Award winners. Yes. Uh, <laughs> for foreign film and then for best animated film. Um, but yeah, and really both movies are just about people growing, mm-hmm. I feel like, from from these experiences through food. Yeah. And while Ratatouille has two villains I would say like Skinner and Anton Ego but like Anton Ego kind of like um Babette's Feast I feel like they're they're not really villains Mm -hmm. there isn't really a villain in Babette's Feast it's more just like the way that they view things and then like their their minds being opened and then yes Anton Ego is kind of the same way it's Mm -hmm. like you see him as like a villain and then by the end he is friends with them (laughs) yeah uh yeah he sort of had his his entire way of life kind of altered by uh what happens in the movie and in in a similar way um yeah the people of the village are sort of uh, yeah again they're not really villains but they they go through a transformation by the power of of the meal that they (laughs) that they enjoy um yeah we also have great scenes of like food triggering memory i feel like in both of these mm-hmm. in uh ratatouille obviously it's for anton ego and the meal that he enjoyed uh, as a kid that his mother would serve him ratatouille and then in babette's feast you have the general who as a young man was brought to an, an, the restaurant that unknowingly they <laughs> he doesn't uh, realize is was run by the same woman who's serving him the meal yes. now um and so he, and he immediately recognizes the taste um of the meal that he had all those years ago, which is great. And I feel like you really get a sense of both in both of these movies. It's, it's hard to convey other senses other than, you know, sight and sound when you're watching a movie. And I feel like both of these do such a great job at conveying food and smell and things like that. Yes. Um, it, it makes you very hungry. <laughs> it does. Yeah. It's also like, it, it feels like a nice place to be. Mm-hmm. Like in the small town in Babette's Feast, or just like put in Ratatouille. I have not watched it since the theater, and I really enjoyed it. And as soon as I put it on, I'm just like, I just like being in this environment. Like yeah. it's just pleasant. It's just a nice place. Paris, who knew? Right. But um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just a, a really nice place to to be. I liked being in that environment, yeah. so I would say that. And they're both fairly simple plots. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Whereas like last time they were more complicated. Like these are very much like. Very simple plot lines and stuff, and it's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a lot of it comes from, uh, you know, the enjoyment of it. You, you know, you mentioned the, the the environment of Ratatouille. I'd say in Babette's Feast, it's less, it feels colder until mm-hmm. Babette arrives and sort of, uh, she has like a warming presence, I feel like, on the village itself, and then in particular during the meal. Um, there are so many beautiful just shots of the food being prepared and served that read like almost like a painting um that i think go a long way towards conveying just the sumptuousness of everything that's happening uh all right well yeah should we get into it yeah so in babette's feast 
sorry I said that weird, <laughs> in Babette's Feast, uh, we first meet two sisters, Philippa and Martine, and I'm going to apologize just ahead of time for all the French words that I'm probably going to butcher when I go over, and names that I'm probably going to butcher. It's not going to be just you. Yeah. <laughs> I took Spanish in school. Yeah, me too. So. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'd like to know French, but Spanish is uh, more useful, you know? It's utility versus enjoyment. <laughs> that was the point. I don't know how much it's really helping, but, yeah. Um, they are uh, older women when we first see them, and they live in this tiny village uh, where uh, their father, who was a pastor, used to live um, with his sort of dwindling congregation. Uh, and they have a French maid named Babette. How did this come to be? Flashback. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and we see the two sisters when they were younger. They were very beautiful. They had uh, a bunch of suitors in the village, but their father uh, turned away all of them and basically uh, discouraged them from marrying and leaving him. Um, and we see uh, two suitors in particular. One, a soldier named Lorenz, uh, who... Uh, it sort of falls in love uh, at first sight with um, Martine and uh, he starts coming around more often but the longer he stays the more he feels like she's sort of trying to distance herself from him so feeling rejected he leaves and vows to sort of make something of himself um, and he eventually becomes a general and an extremely um, uh, well-regarded uh, man in uh Denmark, I guess, is where they are. <laughs> I think they said he was in the Swedish army, so I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but, um, and then the second man was uh, Akil Papin, and <laughs> he was a uh, French opera singer who comes to town and hears Philippa singing and immediately recognizes her talent and asks to teach her uh, singing lessons. Uh, and he is a uh, just overjoyed at her, her talent. He wants her to go to all the finest places in Paris and, and perform for all the most important people. But he also uh, falls in love with her, and so she rejects him. In a scene that I think we're meant to assume that Philippa rejects him because, uh, you know, she wants to live a pious life with her father. But in through modern eyes, I feel like it comes across like he, he's, she's just not that into him. Yeah, no, it definitely does. And the whole time I'm just like... If they remake this, this is Jack Black. The entire time, I was just like, this is Jack Black. I could not get it out of my head. Oh my god, you're right. Yeah. With like his large facial expression, you know, he's just very over the top and stuff. So, anyway, if you haven't seen it, just picture Jack Black in that role. They are, I was waiting for the trivia, but they uh, apparently are in the works with a remake, so it's possible. Okay, all right. <laughs> yeah. Um... So many years later, their father is deceased, and the sisters uh, live alone. They never left uh, the village, and uh, we uh, enter Babette. Uh, she's carrying a letter from uh, Akil Pepin, uh, who uh, is writing to Philippa, asking her to take in uh, Babette. She's a refugee from the war. Um, they don't have enough money to actually employ her, but she doesn't want to work for anyone else, so they basically... Uh, uh, offer to have her work for them for like room and board essentially I think um, they, we have a scene where they're teaching her how to cook the meals 
the saddest soup you have ever seen in your entire life. <laughs> it's like she like slices a f- up a fish and puts it in some, it seems to be just water, like poached fish in water, and then makes soup out of bread and ale. Bread and ale soup. That, out of like a drawer, just like yeah. old bread that's just like sitting in a drawer. <laughs> and then you let it cook for 12 hours. <laughs> Everything a body needs. <laughs> It seems like something that would be served to prisoners. Yeah. <laughs> so this is this is the level of, of food that they are used to. <laughs> um, 14 years pass, and Babette has become a, a very well-liked member of the community. Um, she uh, makes meals for, you know, the sisters, but also everybody around, it seems like, and they, they all love her food. Um, they've sort of she sort of, I think, has snuck in making better food for them over the years, and they haven't really noticed how much things have improved for them. Um, and um, she also is very good at making deals with all the people around town, mm-hmm. so she saves the sisters a lot of money. Um, and then, suddenly, Babette receives a letter that she has won the French lottery uh, through her, like, one contact left in France. She, she had a, a renewing, like, lottery ticket every year. So she won 10,000 francs uh, in the French lottery, which I did do the math on this. That is the equivalent of about $225,000 today. Oh my gosh, just knowing later. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Keep that in mind. Okay. So the sisters, knowing that she's now rich, assume that this is the end. They they had their time with her and and it was great, but she's going to probably leave them and go back to France. Um, but Babette asks, uh, because the sisters are planning a, uh, celebration for what would have been their father's 100th birthday, she asks to, uh, prepare a French dinner, uh, for the occasion. And, <laughs> uh, they, you know, they grant it because she's, she's been wonderful to them and they want to give her what, anything that she asked for. Um, and Babette asks for a few days off to go get everything that she needs for the dinners which they also give her and <laughs> during which time they have to cook for themselves which i just found funny because we see them make the bread and ale soup again and uh. everyone's like oh man <laughs> <laughs> um then that comes back with like a whole boat full of, yeah. <laughs> of supplies like a, a big rack full of live quails and a giant turtle and just <laughs> so much food, uh, and animals. Yeah. Um, and then we have what might be my favorite scene, uh, of the movie when, um, one of the sisters has like a full on nightmare about the meal that they're about to have. <laughs> like she's seeing the turtle and, and like, uh. and like that, that serving her wine is like the flames of hell uh, are beckoning to her. <laughs> Because I guess she's afraid that this meal is going to tempt them into a life of sin or something. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we uh, see the villagers all gather, and the, and the sisters try to apologize for the what they have unleashed by agreeing to this dinner. Yes, in advance. Like they yes. they don't want to be so rude as to go against it. Yeah. But they are just afraid as if this meal is just going to corrupt them all. Like, they're all going to go to hell based on this one meal that they're going to have. <laughs> so they all agree that they'll they'll just sit there there and they'll eat and they won't say anything. <laughs> yeah. Too bad about it. Um, 
And then just before the meal, we find out that General Lorenz has returned uh, to visit his aunt. And so he'll also be attending the dinner. And uh, he arrives, dinner is served. And this is like the the bulk of, uh, I'd say, the, well, it's like the entire third act of the movie, but it feels like almost half of the movie, just this meal mm-hmm. that Babette serves at the end. I mean, it's the title of the movie, but <laughs> um, he... Everyone is served, and there's there's sort of an awkwardness where the the villagers are sort of trying to stick to their you know plan of like we're just gonna eat and and not say anything and it's gonna be fine we're gonna get through this, <laughs> and General Lorenz who is more traveled and worldly than everybody else yeah. is experiencing like the finest meal of his life and he's just looking around at everybody like oh my god can you believe what this yeah. is? <laughs> how great this is yeah. and just really enjoying everything and talking about it and... yeah uh and eventually now the um the people of the village also at this point have uh i think they've just they've grown you know through gone through so many years together and they've grown to sort of just snipe at each other over every little thing that happens it's like all, all of the little petty grievances that yeah. they've had have sort of built up over the years and so as they enjoy the meal, um, and as they sort of let General Lorenz's, you know, uh, attitude about it sort of loosen them up a little bit. And alcohol. And the alcohol. <laughs> There's so much alcohol. <laughs> um, I go over all the, all the pieces of the meal, but I, I figure we, co- we cover that at the end. Okay. So um, as that happens, I think they sort of are reminded of what they do like about each other, all of the good times that they've had. And you sort of see them all come together as, as more of a family than you've, you've seen them in the last yeah. uh, several years. Yeah, I like the woman who she drinks her water and is like, no. And she just puts it back and <laughs> yeah. then she grabs the wine. She grabs the wine again. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, I have General Lorenzo's speech here, which I thought was nice. He says, one day in Paris after I had won a writing competition, some French officers invited me out to dine at one of the city's finest restaurants, the Café Anglais. The chef, surprisingly enough, was a woman. I didn't look up how how likely it would be for a woman to be the head chef of like a major restaurant at this time. But oh, um, uh, he says we were served caille and sacrifage. <laughs> Sorry, uh, a dish of her own creation. Uh, General Galifet, our host for the evening, explained that this woman, this head chef, had the ability to transform a dinner into a kind of love affair, a love affair that made no distinction between bodily appetite and spiritual appetite. And you can sort of see that idea just become embodied by all of the people there as the, as the meal continues. Um, so at the end of the meal, uh, everybody gets up and they all head out. All of the villagers have a very sweet scene where they all gather hands <laughs> together in a circle and sing a song <laughs> because they're drunk, but <laughs> also it's very sweet. Yeah. Um, uh, General Lorenz uh, talks to uh, Martine and... and gives a very sweet speech where uh, he says that he hopes that she knows that he's been with her uh, through all these years in spirit. Um, he then says uh, something about how he'll be with her in the future, uh, not in the flesh, which doesn't matter, but in spirit. And I'm like, okay, but you could be together. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, you could be together like for real as well. And not just like in each other's minds. Uh, it seems like you're retired now. I don't know what else you're doing, but yeah. You know, it's a, it is a, a story from the point of view of, of 
people with faith. So it, I feel like it does hold more value if, if you were a person of faith watching this movie than if you were, are maybe not. But <laughs> I feel like it could also change in the future. Like, yeah. I mean, they lived with her dad and her dad clearly had like mm-hmm. a wife yeah. and had sex at least twice because he has two <laughs> daughters. So it's like, I feel like she could get together yeah. with him. I don't see why not. Um, so he leaves and then, uh, uh, both Martine and Philippa thank Babette for the meal and tell her how wonderful it was, uh, as like a last meal. And she says, oh, she's not planning on leaving. And they're like, well, what about all the money? And she says she spent all the money on the meal. (laughs) Just as a reminder, that was $225,000. Okay. How many people do we think were sitting at that table? It was 12 people. I'm not good at math that quickly. I would bet that 80% of that was the alcohol that they drank. It could be. Because, <laughs> yeah, that's $18,750 a person. So, I mean, also maybe food was more expensive uh, back in the day. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I suppose <laughs> certain things like getting like a large live turtle yeah. and stuff would be expensive. Ah. <laughs> uh... Uh, so Martine says, now you will be poor for the rest of your life, to, to which Babette replies, an artist is never poor. And uh, Philippa says, uh, this is not the end, Babette. In paradise, you will be the great artist God meant you to be. Oh, hell, you, you will enchant the angels. And she embraces her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, my hope is that, like, going forward, they will be more adventurous. I hope so, too. Like, I, I, I feel like... You know, it, we're meant to see through the Babette's cooking and, but also through, um, you know, like uh, Philippa's singing, there's this sort of idea of like, oh, what you didn't accomplish in life, you'll accomplish, you know, in the next one or, or, or in heaven. Um, which, uh, again, I, you know, I see how that is a, a very comforting idea to people of faith. Uh, but I do think that even if you're not, there is still a spiritual fulfillment there. Uh, for the people when they have uh, the meal or when, like, Philippa sings for them afterwards and uh, they sort of find that joy in that again. Yeah. I was not expecting her to have spent all the money (laughs) on the meal. Yeah. That was a real twist. (laughs) Producer Ryan wasn't so happy about it. No. (laughs) He'd, well... Producer Ryan had a problem, I think, with especially knowing she spent all that money on it mm-hmm. and everybody's just like, don't say anything about the meal. We're going to be polite and we're going to say anything about it. We have no reaction to it. Well, but she did it, you know, for her own enjoyment, for the creation of it. She she just wanted to make it for herself as much as for the people that she loved there. She also changed all of them, I feel like, yeah. by having it. You know, it's that's priceless, mm-hmm. right? Okay, no. All right. They're not going to remember. They're not going to care in like 10 years. They're not going to look back. They're going to be dead in 10 years. They're not going back to their bread and ale soup. (laughs) Who can go back to bread and ale soup after that? No. Trivia? Oh, uh, so, yeah, only real trivia I have is that, yes, it won Best uh, Foreign Language Film in 1987. And uh, as of December 2019, uh, it was... uh, Alexander Payne was uh, attached to direct an American remake of the movie, which was uh, supposed to be set in Minnesota. I don't know what that says about Minnesota, that you're being compared to a bleak little village in Denmark. But <laughs> Yeah. 
Maybe it'll be like in the winter when it's cold and yeah. you can't get all the kinds of vegetables and stuff. But still, you'd think, well, we'll see. I guess we'll, <laughs> we'll see how that goes. All right. Okay. And then for Ratatouille, Remy the Rat, played by Patton Oswalt, has a great sense of smell and wants to eat only the best food. Uh, he's different from the other rats like his dad, who say, food is fuel, now shut up and eat your garbage. <laughs> Remy also has a flair for cooking, and he knows he should stay out of the kitchen, uh, but that's where the good food is. <laughs> so along with his brother Emil, they sneak into the kitchen, and on TV, they see that the evil food critic Anton Ego, played by Peter O'Toole, gave Gusteau's, a famous French restaurant, a terrible review, and knocked the restaurant down from five stars to four, and then heartbroken Gusteau then died. <laughs> There are some leaps in this film that right. we are going to be taking mm-hmm. in logic. I suppose also like a rat cooking. But also yeah. <laughs> that this man went down to four stars at his restaurant and died. Uh, so the woman who owns the, the house, she discovers the entire rat colony. And so that all the rats have to evacuate. She also takes decides to go after oh. rats with a shotgun. Yeah. Which seems like, I feel like that's your own fault for the destruction of your house. And just starts blowing holes in her house. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, the family leaves and Remy goes back to get the, the cookbook. But unfortunately, because he goes back to get that, he's separated from his family. So after talking to his new imaginary friend, Gusteau's ghost, <laughs> Remy finds out he's been living in Paris this whole time. And he goes to Gusteau's restaurant where a young man named Linguini has been hired as the garbage boy. Remy notices Linguini secretly adding stuff to the soup that will make it taste terrible. Um, and so Gusteau's ghost encourages him, encourages Remy to go in and fix the soup. So Linguini sees that Remy is fixing the soup. The rat making soup. The yeah. rat, yeah, the, the rat is making soup. <laughs> the craziest thing you'd ever have seen in your entire life. Um, but head chef, the head chef, Skinner, uh, played by Ian Holm, he thinks that Linguini made the soup. And the soup goes out to a food critic that just loves the soup. Skinner, because the garbage boy was cooking, wants to fire him. But Colette, played by Janine Garofalo, reminds him of Gusteau's belief that anyone can cook. <laughs> so when the kitchen staff catch Remy in the kitchen, a rat, Linguini is supposed to dispose of him, but instead he brings, or Linguini brings Remy home, and Remy agrees to help Linguini in the kitchen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we can all relate. <laughs> they have an obligatory, like, oh, I can't believe I'm talking to a rat type of, you know, thing, and it's, yeah. It needs to be there, but yeah. you just kind of, you got to get on board yeah. in this movie. And I'm fine with it. Yeah. <laughs> so Skinner goes, uh, or is going to use Gusto's name recognition to sell frozen food and get rich. And as we all know, in another leap, uh, when a famous chef dies and doesn't have a will, after two years, their sous chef inherits all their stuff. <laughs> And so now Skinner's inheritance may be in jeopardy if Linguini turns out to be Gusto's son. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> so when the customers want something new like the soup that they had, Skinner tries to set up Linguini and Colette for failure by telling them to make a dish that turned, was a disaster, but Remy changes the recipe and the customers love it. Our villain just cannot catch a break. No. So things seem to be going great. The restaurant is busy. Remy finds his family, Colette and Linguini start dating, and it's discovered that Linguini is Gusto's son, so Skinner is fired, and Linguini takes over the restaurant, so now he has his restaurant. 
But Linguini starts to enjoy all this attention a little too much. And he gets into a fight with Remy. And then Antonigo comes back uh, to review the restaurant again. And they make him ratatouille, which reminds him of his childhood. And at the end of the night, Ego is introduced to little chef, Remy. <laughs> and now he gets credit for all of his cooking. And Ego gives them a wonderful review, saying that the chef was the finest in France. Um, and that he, he never liked Cousteau's idea that anyone can cook. But now he understands that it's not that everyone, not everyone can become a great artist, but a great artist can come from anywhere. And then it ends with Remy, Linguini, and Colette all working at the new popular restaurant, Ratatouille. Yay! Ratatouille. <laughs> so, uh, for my trivia, mm -hmm. Thomas Keller was the food consultant for the film. And uh, the Ratatouille, or the Comfy Bialdi, which is like the version of it that we see, that's like yeah. the little single thing on the plate, um, that they served, was also just that they served at the French Laundry. Oh, okay. Um, I've made that before. Or oh. a, a version of it, you know, with the mandolin and everything mm -hmm. and then, mm -hmm. it's very good <laughs> it looked good i was like i don't have i'd have to buy a mandolin if that's what i was gonna make for it <laughs> i think rachel borrowed my mandolin that's why she still has it if you ever <laughs> want to make it yeah all right i might want to <laughs> um and then thomas keller also voices one of the patrons patrons in the restaurant mm. um and then when remy is running out of the sewer there's a dog that barks at him and you don't see the dog but you see the shadow and the shadow is of the dog dug from up Oh. <laughs> and they had trouble doing some, like, marketing tie-ins for the film because restaurants didn't want to be associated with rats. Ah, oh, it's just like in the movie. Yes. And then um, <laughs> they wanted to make a wine, but you can't market alcohol to children. Right. So then they couldn't, they, yeah, so they had a lot of trouble with that. Okay, that doesn't explain, though, why there isn't a Ratatouille restaurant in Disneyland. Yes, no, that's the thing. Is like, at Disneyland, you can definitely make that leap. Like, yeah. it's, it's fine. What would I care if there's, like, a giant person in a rat costume or like all the things were like yes no it makes I just don't understand <laughs> no I don't understand it either <laughs> it should have been like number one of like how to you know cross promotion or whatever put a ratatouille restaurant in every Disney amusement park I don't like it's right there it's right there guys <laughs> yeah and there's such emphasis on the food at Disneyland yeah so yeah no I can't explain that to you <laughs> um and then my last bit is like so the villain of the movie had Jeff Skinner he tries to put Remy in a box, and the character was named after behavioral psychologist B.F. Skinner, who was known for the Skinner box, where rats were placed and trained to push a button for food. Oh. Yeah. So. Clever. Yeah. So that is my trivia for that. You want to talk about some food? Yes. Okay. So the meal that we see, again, apologies for my French. <laughs> the meal in Babette's Feast consists of Potage a la tortue, or turtle soup, uh, served with Amontillado, Amontillado sherry. Uh, Blinis demidoff, or buckwheat pancakes with caviar and sour cream, which look delicious and I would mm -hmm. absolutely like to make, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, caviar is expensive. Um, it's, that's served with a champagne of some kind. Cayes mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and sarcovage, uh, was the quail uh, stuffed with foie gras and truffle uh, in a puff pastry shell. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Once again, would love to try. Um, foie gras and truffle are both very expensive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and that was served with a claw de 
Bougeau Pinot Noir? <laughs> sure. Sure it was. Uh, an endive salad. A savaron rum, rum sponge cake yeah. <laughs> with mm-hmm. figs mm-hmm. and candied cherries yeah. served with champagne. Uh, then assorted cheeses and fruits served with um, sauternes. I'm not sure what that is. But I assume another kind of booze. There's a booze to go with every course here. Yes. Uh, and then coffee with uh, uh, cognac. <laughs> That's right. He's grinding the beans in the little box. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. You made I, all of these dishes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like the easiest one to achieve would probably be the rum sponge cake, uh, which was like a, a bunt cake, baked in a bunt cake pan in the... Um, in the movie with figs and candied cherries those are figs can be a little hard to find i think for anybody especially outside of like a certain time of year but they are available (laughs) whereas trying to get foie gras or truffles or caviar you're gonna be i mean maybe for a special occasion you know Mm -hmm. uh like uh, a feast, like Babette's doing. You yeah, do like if I won the lottery yeah. and then I was going to go live in France. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, maybe I'll, maybe I'll try my hand at the rum sponge cake. <laughs> I think you should. It sounds delicious. Yeah. And then, you know, just like bring some over. Um, so I did, in not having a mandolin, uh, <laughs> Or an incredible knife that can slice things very, very thin. Yeah. Um, I did decide to go earlier in the film when Remy is with his brother and he collects the the mushroom and uh, the tom de chiv de pav, we're going to say, cheese, uh, <laughs> and the rosemary, and then they get hit by lightning. I decided to do stuffed mushrooms with rosemary um, and goat cheese because the cheese is a goat cheese. Um, so, yeah. They were delicious. Thank you. <laughs> So, yeah. All right. Well, now oh boy, I get to say some French words. Gosh, I'm so glad that I did ratatouille and my difficult words were like linguine. <laughs> um, okay, so we are going to do a bracket of French right. foods. So you'll just tell me as you go. So okay. we'll start. I'm going to say croque madame or French omelette. Uh, French omelette. Gosh, that's already really hard. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. <laughs> Take your time. You can talk it out. So then I have crepes or apple tart. Uh, crepes. Okay. Uh, cheese souffle or fondue? Cheese souffle. Fondue's overrated. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, it's melty cheese. I'm willing yeah. to have melty But if I had the opportunity to have a cheese souffle, I would have a cheese souffle. <laughs> um... Cocovin or steaks, steak frites? Uh, Cocovin. Okay. All right. So I have duck a l'orange or mm. from the movie, um, caille and sarcovage, a <laughs> quail and puff pastry with the frog gras and the truffle sauce. I want to try that quail. Okay. <laughs> All righty. Uh, creme brulee or eclairs? Ooh. Eclairs. Okay. Carbs win. <laughs> Uh, French onion soup or ratatouille? French onion soup. Sorry, ratatouille. <laughs> I, I mean, French, it's, again, it's melty cheese yeah. and like bread <laughs> and onions. So, uh, okay, and then croissant or baguette and French butter. Ooh. You know, I do love 
a plain, plain bread and butter, but croissant is just, it's hard to, croissant. <laughs> All right. All right, so then back to the top. So we have the French omelet versus the crepes. Mm, crepes. Okay. Uh, cheese souffle or coco vin? Cheese souffle. Uh, Cayenne sarcovage or eclairs? The... <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. French onion soup or croissant? Croissant. All right. We're getting down to it. <laughs> so crepes mm-hmm. or cayenne sarcovage? thing is that crepes are so versatile <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. you can put so many different things in them mm-hmm. crepes okay all right and then cheese souffle or croissant croissant okay <laughs> and now we are down to the big moment yeah uh croissant or crepes you know what it's simple but I'm going with croissant I just I feel like there's very little in the world that is better than a a, a really well made like fresh from the bakery croissant (laughs) fair enough and if you ask people you know I feel like it's what they're you know Mm -hmm. oh gosh yeah and Um, I know yours oh goodness we go through all of them no I can't do all this over again. Um, that's tough. The croissant, I feel like, is really good. A cheese souffle, I feel like, like yeah. sounds really good. And then the cocoa van that we've had also is has been pretty good. Um, and I do like French onion soup because, again, bread and cheese. Mm-hmm. You know, I should have thought about it um ahead of time I should have planned you you planned this I did I wrote it down you didn't think about what you would choose I know <laughs> I thought about all the little other things to to write down would you want to eat the little quail thingy with in the puff pastry so that sounds really good mm-hmm. um it's just that the entire bird its little head is like sticking out of that puff yeah. pastry and that kind of scares he, me a little bit he just goes right for it with the head by yeah the which he, yeah he, like sucks the brain out of the i'm the little bird not that bold yeah. like i would want to have like <laughs> meat in a puff pastry that sounds amazing mm-hmm. um but i'm afraid of the whole bird yeah <laughs> i'm a little scared by the bird even though i'd want to try it and i'd probably have to kind of like uh, maneuver around it yeah um as we went um, I think croissant's a good answer. I feel like, you know, a buttery, a nice buttery pastry mm-hmm. is a good, is a good answer. Let's go with croissant. I mean, technically, just... you can also, you can make it sweet. You can do a chocolate croissant or you can do like a, I... make it a meal with a ham and cheese croissant, you know? Yeah. It's also a sandwich. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought about putting a chocolate croissant on here instead of a regular croissant. I was like, mm. no, we'll just go classic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. Well... Grace, do you want to tell people where they can find us and what the theme for the next episode is? Yes. So you can find us on Instagram at movie underscore matchup or uh, some of our recipes on sugarednerd.com. And tune in for the next episode where the theme will be, are we human or are we alien? And as always, not everyone can become a great artist, but a great artist can come from anywhere.